and we are live yay sorry we're running late guys we were having trouble getting a couple of stories pulled up well not only that we were having trouble figuring out everything we want to talk to because there's a lot of things going on life updates and then also other things going on and it's like oh freaking really which mm -hmm. one do we want to take on first the well, yeah well, why don't we take on the big one, which was we weren't sure, and we had talked to you guys Tuesday about whether or not we would even have a show tonight. Mm -hmm. So let's give a quick update. Yeah. So obviously, your your dental surgery is gone okay enough that you're able to be here tonight. So, yay! yay. Yes, and my dental surgery went fine. Mountain State Dental done a wonderful job. My teeth have been removed. I'm healing lovely. I've had my test meal, as I call it, which is my two double cheeseburgers, extra pickles, extra dehydrated onions, and small fry from McDonald's. That went swimmingly well. So yeah, that's side note, food. side note, guys, side note. We have to point out, this is his replacement for the instruction that says, rinse mouth with salt water. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Is salt water or cheeseburger and fries? <laughs> it's the same thing. Well, it's enough salt that it will cover the same thing. Granted, I will rinse my mouth out with salt multiple times a day um, to help build the tissue. But at least I'm able to actually eat food, which is something I haven't been able to do for all oh, about a week. True. Like, but, I did, but I did end up having to make the comment to you when you said that because it blew my mind so much last night. I was like, do you want a straw with that? No, like <laughs> I can't have a straw for another week. I know. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Kathy. But I still found it hilarious. I mm -hmm. did. I did. I am. I'm feeling much better. Um, you will notice that there are no ridiculous videos online because there was no ridiculous videos to be had. I really wasn't that much of a party. Oh, there was plenty of ridiculous video to be had. May I point out there was a brief period when we put your tongue ring back in that you sounded like you had a bad to fake accent. What, you mean when I was trying to throw out freaking words? <laughs> he sounded like a Mario. Uh-huh. Luigi. Luigi. Yes. And then the, you could tell the drugs were working because then he said, well, I basically am skinny. I'm just covered in all this fluff. Uh-huh. <laughs> Granted, all of that said with a bad Italian accent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> you were doing good till you put the tongue ring back in. Like, you were. Like, you were, you were a little slurry. Just just a little bit because the numbness. But yeah, it was ooh, it got hilarious there for a little bit. For a minute, hot minute. And of course, someone decided to go, while I'm knocked out on pain medicine, decided to go be gourmet cook of the evening. Hey. It was stuff that I've well, okay, yeah, basically. <laughs> uh-huh. It wasn't stuff you just had in the house. No, well, I picked up the pesto, uh -huh. everything else we had in the house. Uh-huh, and you still have a meatloaf in the freezer, at least two lasagnas in the freezer, and at least one other casserole that I kindly prepped up for you. Uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. And you have nine cans of soup. Uh-huh. Because <laughs> tried, tried to stock him up. Uh-huh. Uh, make sure he had plenty of soup. Because I was expecting you'd have a few days there where it was like, mm-mm, no, we, mm-mm, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, not happening, thanks. No, already been through this. We know the gig. Day one is all loose, wet, soft food. Day two, something salty. Day three, we can start having real food. Yeah, but I also picked you up like five gallons of ice cream. Uh-huh. Or no, I guess it's two and a half gallons. Sorry, I had to think about the size of the, yeah, a bucket. I picked him up a bucket of ice cream. Yes, it's a gallon and a half. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh, and we forgot the best part of you drugged up. You left that doctor's office and he actually said the words. I don't care what they charge me. I'll pay it. Pay it. And I went, well, you obviously had drugs and are in that lovely phase known as do not make financial decisions. <laughs> Again, it's worth it. I had the most eaten. Now, I have had probably 12 to 13 oral dental procedures in my life. This one was the easiest one I've had as of yet. I walk in, sit in a chair, they stick an IV in me, slap a BP cap on me, go, I'm sorry, these sticker things are going to hurt when I take them off. My comment is the same one I make all the time. I'll leave them on. I will take them off in the shower. It works better that way. They give me happy drugs. I go out. I wake up. I walk to the car. Done. Walk is a close approximation to what happened. Sorry, you were a little druggy at that point. You could have walked into a wall and felt nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like you were just kind of... Comparative to the last time I had anything done to my face. Hi, Devin. Hi, Shannon. Hey, Mary. Oh, it was great. It was. It was great. Of course, now, there was also the moment when they called, and we've had that discussion on the show before, your legal name uh-huh. is such that it is gender ambiguous. Uh-huh. And so apparently one of the secretaries in the office got call, uh, got told to call me and let me know you were on the way out. And so this lovely secretary calls and says, just, you know, is this Joseph? And I go, yes. And they go, just wanted to let you know, Lacey, uh, that he's done or she's done. And, you know, we're, we're going to walk uh, her out. And I'm like, I think you may either have the wrong number or you put him in the chair upside down and I don't even want to know how this happened. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's the fun of my names. It's fun all the time. That's why I also answer to Mrs. Arrington at this point. Uh, well, granted, so do I, but there was the longest time everyone on the phone thought I was a woman. Mm-hmm. And it, like, for a while there, it kind of drove me crazy. And then after a while, I was just like, whatever. Um, and then there was something about me leaving voicemail. Everyone kept hearing Jeremy. I used to have clients that would call back and be like, hi, can I speak to Jeremy? 
which is fine if you're calling me. I'll kind of work that out that you misheard my name. The biggest problem I was having was they were calling in on the main line for the company I worked for, and there wasn't a Jeremy. And they're sitting here going, we literally have no employees by that name. And like, did you get a last name? Did you get a, like, what is this about? Like, they were having to kind of sluice it out. Uh-huh. And yeah, it was it got funny there for a little while, but I don't know what it was every time I left a voicemail. Uh-huh. But that was also right about the point that I was having some dental issues. Um because that was a one-two combo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's always fun with names. It's always fun with doctor's offices. Mary, you know, she says she carries a copy of her birth certificate and other official documents. Birth certificate, which one do I want to use? Other official documents, depending on the year. <laughs> well, and then with your name, everyone immediately, like, I swear, unless they get the middle name and happen mm-hmm. to read it and think fast enough, mm-hmm. they still do the she. Yeah, I know. And, and, and it's one of those things. Like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Well, I know, but it's still, sometimes it's just kind of funny. Um, or at least it is to me. The only um, time I have ever lost it over gender identity, because, you know, she, they, he, whatever, except at the bank and the car lot. Yeah. Yeah, the bank one was hilarious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, that that was layers, layers of assumption being done by that poor, <laughs> and at this point, all I can call her is that that poor woman at the bank. Mm-hmm. Um, her, her, like, a little bit older. Bless and, her soul is what I have to say about it. Yeah, it was one of those bless her heart moments. Um, but the way that she was just like, because we had gotten the insurance check, um, a little reimbursement of what we had paid, and it ended up, and I hit the wrong button on my chair, um, it ended up coming uh, written to both of us with an and. So, of course, both of us have to sign it to be able to do something with it. And so I'm asking at the bank what to, you know, how, how we handle that, because covid and it's not like we can both walk into the bank and do this. So we're going to have to do this through a drive-thru anyway. Like, what do you got to do here? And um, so I had sent the check through so that they could see the situation. And, you know, first question I get asked is, is along the, you know, like, well, it, do you have a joint account? you know, like, do you and your wife have a joint account? And I'm like, I'm going to skip that and say no. And just didn't even get into it. And then she follows up with, oh, well, okay. Well, you know, both of you can just come down here and, you know, you just tell her not to worry about it, that she can sign in front of me and we'll deposit it to your account. And I'm like, all you had to add to that was just tell her not to worry her pretty little head about it. Mm -hmm. For like the perfect like 50s, like 
bad, bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just so bad. And I was like, but she was so nice. She was so friendly. She was trying to be so helpful, but you could tell like this wasn't intentionally like as bad as it sounds. It was she's on another wavelength. Uh-huh. Like, she's living in another world. Um, and I'm like, I am not popping this woman's bubble today. She is too close to retirement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, during this COVID thing, Aeson has been looking for a new Ace and Chariot um, in general. So I've been dealing with this lady for a couple months now because shopping for me for a car is like shopping for me for shoes. It takes freaking forever. And it's generally based on the same principles as you buying shoes is those are pretty and those are pretty and those are pretty. And it's, honey, we can only afford one of them. They're a car. (laughs) It's not like shoes where it's like fine ball three. Now, when I buy shoes, they last me for years. (laughs) I go to the shoe cobbler or the comeback from the shoe cobbler. It isn't that big of a deal. Well, I mean... Right now, I mean, currently we can't build a house out of them um, yet. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying you have a shoe collection. <laughs> I do, and I have shoes on my want list. One has a beautiful pair of dragon pumps. There you go. Uh, but yes. But no, like, so you ended up interested in multiple cars. I ended up interested in multiple cars from the pictures. So we take my stack of freaking paperwork because, you know, self-employed. They want to see three months bank records, six years fucking taxes, every goddamn thing. We go, we sit down, start dealing with the first one that shows me the vehicles. And I'm not impressed by him. I'm not impressed by any of the cars except one. Well, yeah, there were a few things going on there. Um, Well, because, like, one of the cars you thought was great and you were really excited about, and then you got in it, and um, it was a Scion, Uh which has that weird center console that's, Uh like, your entire instrument cluster is right there in the middle, and you're like, oh, God, no, I will get a speeding ticket and or wreck trying to figure out how fast I'm going. Exactly. Um, Mary, they're only letting me get a V6. Personally, I would prefer a V8. Um, I would prepare something with a carburetor, but that's not within the years that I had. Um, Granted, if I had my choice, I'd get him something that was two-cycle. Yes. Hey, two-cycle, really? Hmm, maybe I should yeah. start looking at motorcycles. Yes. <laughs> oh, no problem. Um, I well, and I tend to be a little more geeky on cars. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I literally don't care so much what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong; I can appreciate the beauty of a vehicle, but from like the buying perspective, I'm more interested in okay, what kind of maintenance problems does this vehicle historically have? How much mileage is on it? When do the major breakdowns typically happen? You know, those kinds of things. So that's typically where I'm at. (laughs) 
Like, I mean, yeah. we're there, and of course we're going to finance. Because I've been told, no problem, we can get you a loan, no problem, ran your credit, you're good, you're good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there, and Twinkie Boy disappears, and then comes another dude. Sorry, Twinkie Boy has a nosebleed. We'll get to that point later. Remember yeah. that point. So we're passed around to about three different freaking salesmen, none of whom have I talked with. Right. Yeah, because apparently online sales mm -hmm. um, doesn't actually meet customers. Yep. They just handle online discussions and then pass you off to someone else. Right. First words out of the dude's mouth is, okay, can he co-sign for her? What? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I wasn't happy. I'm like, uh, no, he isn't. Like, one, we had already talked about that, and it was like, mm, let's not do that. Just because of some of the issues you've had with your ex and your and what they have done to your credit, um, like we had already pre-had the discussion that we wanted to try to avoid commingling accounts, mm -hmm. so that at least while your ex may go through and periodically, you know, blow everything up. Mm -hmm. At least if we were in an emergency situation and needed to use credit to do something mm -hmm. um, that, like, I would kind of be protected over here in a little bubble. Right. Well, not only that, but, you know, I don't like that whole idea of co having a boyfriend co-sign for me or share finances with me. It's never worked out. It's easier if it's in one ownership's name or another ownership's name. That way it's totally clear. But the dude had the audacity to immediately expect you, who who knows by him, yeah, to co-sign for me. Pissed me off. Well, and then there was also, like, after that point, though, most of the conversation seemed to be directed at me. Uh-huh. Kind of like, you know... Okay, I'm going to talk to you. <laughs> you know, that kind of like. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, like, so like, and it was, it was like direct, like the eye contact with you ended. Ended, yeah. Um, somewhere around like the uh, third person we're dealing with. And it was okay. like, yeah, we're going to talk to you. <laughs> and yeah. it's like. I'm not buying a car. Uh -huh. <laughs> like, please understand, you know, I'm here basically as moral support plus, you know, additional thoughts and ideas mm -hmm. as well as like, okay, well, let's crunch those numbers real quick. Mm -hmm. um, you want to spend that. And then they didn't even run the vehicle that I was interested in. They ran every vehicle on the lot except what I've been interested in. Well, and I think the more important part there was we couldn't get you financed um, on the vehicle that or even originally they said that they could um, because the vehicle you ended up looking at and wanting to finance was actually even less. Mm-hmm. Um, so it should have been an easier application. It was, I think, a year newer, less mileage, mm 
um, and a lower price. Right. So it should have been easier than what you were actually going in to look at. Right. Um, so, yeah. No, I am not W-2. Yeah. 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 We don't have. I got identified as the man in our relationship, which happens. It's mm -hmm. a thing. It's unfortunate and it's horrible. Um, the the unfortunately, when like we deal with straight world, um, that occasionally happens. Yeah, is that one of us has to become the woman and one has to become the man, and then misogyny hits hardcore. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah. Um, so yeah, I actually have my own business technically. Um, it's still new. Um, me trying to get financed on a car based on my numbers would be ridiculous. Only thing I'm getting financed on is my credit score. Um, <laughs> I am not that much. <laughs> like I, but you know, I mean, I, I don't get it. It's not how that works. Like one of us is not the man and one of us is not the woman. That's that's right. that's trying to make our relationship heteronormative. Right. And it doesn't work. Um, so yes, EIN. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm answering Mary's questions. Sure, sure, yeah. Truth. yeah. Um, but no, yeah. I and very much so. And it happens all the time. We've talked about it on the show before. You get handed the restaurant bill. Oh, yeah. I eternally get handed the, the bill at the restaurant. Which is the gay equivalent of who's the man, who's the woman on this date. Mm -hmm. um, and the man gets the check. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And um, it really throws them when I'm the one handing them the credit card. Yes. Um. Apparently, the bank has decided that you're the man in the relationship. Um, a lot of places do it to us. And it gets so aggravating. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think sometimes, though, it may be that, like, I'm sitting there typically doing numbers. Mm -hmm. Because, unfortunately, that's, that is, because of the dyslexia, a lot harder for you to do. Mm -hmm. And it is easier to be just like, hi, calculator with legs. Um, <laughs> run this. <laughs> right. Well, not only that, but it, with a lot of things, it's more so I don't sometimes care what something costs by the half ounce. I do. <laughs> I do greatly. Uh-huh. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, I'll discuss things with you know we both discuss our co-finances and finances in general with each other but these people literally car lot totally stopped talking to me when i said no you aren't co-signing yeah and it almost became like well so he's buying the car yeah and you know like you're just there to drive it yeah <laughs> and i'm sitting here going guys <laughs> uh-huh no, this is his car. Uh-huh. Like, this is going to be his money that pays for it, puts gas in it, does maintenance on it, pays the insurance on it. Uh -huh. This is not my car. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my car's sitting out there in front of the building. <laughs> uh-huh. Like, if you want to get technical here, right? Like, there's my car. <laughs> I am not buying a vehicle. I am not doing a trade-in. Right. You know, like, exactly. move on. <laughs> right. And what, that was even more stupid. Are y'all guys going to be using a trade-in? Well, but that's a common question. is, And it can actually make a trade a newer car in on an older car, you idiots. In, well, in some cases, you run into people that end up just having a change in life. Like, there are people that will actually trade in a newer car for an older car or for a vehicle that's roughly the same age. Mm-hmm. Um, because they, like, it, the most common form of it would be like you have, uh, or the classic example is you have the cute little two-seater convertible. Mm-hmm. Which is great when you're, you know, single and or dating, but suddenly baby on the way and everyone wants a minivan. No, I don't. Just saying, that's the classic example that sometimes I, that happens. I never want another minivan ever. Hmm. See, I was the weirdo because I was coming out of high school wanting a minivan. Like, that was my, to me, like, that was the thought that made the most sense coming out, uh, like, got my license, getting ready for college. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm going to college out of state. Mm-hmm. And to me, it made the most logical sense is get me a minivan. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, again, gas was cheap at the time. It wasn't that big of a deal. Um, but my thought was then I can put everything that I need to move back and forth to college Mm -hmm. all in this vehicle. It's one trip. It's no problem. God, no, I don't want to, you know, like the uh, Festiva I originally went to North Carolina with was okay. You could fold up the back seat and get a lot of stuff in there. But by the time I ended up with the Topaz, Mm -hmm. I was just sitting here like, please get me a minivan. Mm-hmm. Like I would have gladly traded someone, mm-hmm. you know, ownership papers for ownership papers, mm-hmm. like title for title, um, on, on a minivan. Either getting a Ford Explorer slash Escape. I'm entertaining either one because they're basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. Or I'm getting a convertible. One of the two. Yeah. But no, even like Devin saying, makes sense to travel with a minivan. And that was my thought is like, I've got four years of college Mm -hmm. in which I'm going to be back and forth, back and forth, back and forth from at least campus to somewhere. Mm -hmm. If not back to West Virginia, then somewhere. I've got to move my crap somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after that, I'm like looking at the idea, I'm going to be early 20s, I'm going to move around a little bit before, you know, like I, I, my thought at 18, like 17, 18, was that this is a game of musical chairs until like your late 20s. Mm -hmm. You're going to move here and you're going to go there and you're going to do this and you've got to haul that to go here to do that to do this. And I was just like, I just want a minivan. Like, cut the crap. I don't want to, like, have to drive back and forth in the little tiny car. Just let me load my crap and go. Right. 
and see for me the reason i want the explorer is yeah i gotta go through winter and gotta deal with training you know traveling for events and stuff mm-hmm. but on the other side of that we have the salt it holds whatever i need to for events mm-hmm. so that means that i need just a car to get somewhere that i gotta make an appearance at or to the office or wherever and sorry i've always been a convertible lover i've owned two drove in three We'll go back and have one, another one any day. Meanwhile, uh, like, and we've had this conversation is every time I think convertible, I think soft top and I think, oh God, now, like at some point it's gonna leak. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it takes forever to heat them up because you don't have any insulation in the top half of the car where all the heat nope. rises to. Like, those are my thoughts, and I'm like, mm -mm, no. no. And I'm like, my family's already played with one convertible rollover accident. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've had two neck surgeries. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's much more safer. It's a coupe. It's easier on gas. Yeah, you, if you're an idiot and you don't take and sweep your top off, you're going to get a leak. But if you take care of it, it's a good car. And they tend to be on secondary market, which I ain't buying new ever again. Mm -hmm. uh, secondary markets, they're fabulous. Because mm -hmm. they're normally bought by older couples or couples that do not drive them that much because they'll stick them in the garage, which I've never understood. Well, but then again, and we've had that conversation as well, is while most people are worried about high mileage vehicles, I go the other direction mm -hmm. because I've had that experience. Um, like everyone kept thinking I was the lucky kid because my grandmother kept giving me these cars with like 20, 30,000 miles on them. I think the highest one I got was 34,000 when I got it from mm -hmm. her. Um, this all sounds great until you realize that this vehicle is like 10 to 12 years old. Right. Okay. There's a problem with that. 30,000 miles in 12 years in 10 years is not a lot of annual mileage. Mm -hmm. Also, if you look at that total mileage, that 20 to uh, 35,000 mile range, mm -hmm. On some parts of a car, that's just when you start replacing things. Mm -hmm. Like, or you're not even close right. to replacing things. Um, some of those things being belts and hoses and batteries and all of that. So every time I got one of these cars, everyone's like, oh, you're so lucky. You get this like almost showroom car, you know, from your grandmother. And I'm like, yeah, and in a month, it'll be a money pet mm -hmm. because the belts and the hoses are going to go. Then the battery's going to go. I'm probably going to lose an alternator. It's going to need four new tires. The windshield wipers are factory. The <laughs> right. and, it, and that's what happened is every time I turned around and within the first month or so, right. month to two, this car is instantly in the garage for this. And then it comes out and has to go right back in for the next thing. Mm -hmm. And the next and the next and the next and the next. And I got to a point that I joked that every time I cross the state line, something falls off of one of these cars. Mm -hmm. 
because it's about what it was. Every time I got enough, you know, warm the engine up mm-hmm. and cross the state line, mm-hmm. I ended up calling to have my car towed. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, this isn't the wonderful experience you imagine of a low mileage vehicle. It's mm-hmm. just a parts nightmare. Right. Plus uh, it's 12 years old and it's running into that like range of like, mm-mm, you are not gonna like have that lovely experience. So right. are we backing up to Devin or was there We're going all the way back to Kathy? Okay. So yeah, sorry guys, we got off on a tangent. Yeah. Um, so Kathy72862. I think my stepdad's son called Adult Protection Services on her regarding my stepdad. Is that accurate? And now I'm flying down Sunday. Um, yeah, it's accurate. And I think it's total jealousy and someone not getting their way. So they're trying to be a problem and a pain in the ass. And she's also asking, does the malpractice still go through on, uh, in time? Yes. Still goes through in time. All right. And then Devin, March 16th of 78, will this COVID mess get better by next summer? Well, yes, but I don't think it's going to be everything we want it to be. I think there will still be cases about. I also think that, that we will have to have better leadership deal with it um, through the winter. So that'll be interesting to watch and actually leads us into our next news or our next topic of conversation. We finally found something Donald Trump's good at. Absolutely. Um, And I wanted to reply to two things that Mary had said. The first one about you being shrewd enough to say no. Actually, I will point out that when you go to a car lot, um, your typical experience has been you're kind of over a barrel at, at the point in which you're having to buy a car. Mm-hmm. Um, and typically it's one of those moments of the old car has died. It is non-operable. And if I don't have a car in the next few days, my life is screwed. Um, so it's not that you are not shrewd enough to say no, it's that usually you're used to being in a situation in which you're not in a position Mm -hmm. to really argue too much. Um, and that's, that kind of influences how you approach it. Um, well, because that's what you're talking about is me saying no to a cosign or no to anything else. Absolutely. And anyhow, then on Mary's, like other, still wouldn't take it anyhow. Yeah, and on Mary's other comment, the C five six surgery. Yeah, um, I had a C five six done, um, and that's a ACDF um, anterior cervical discectomy infusion. Um, so basically, they went through and took out the disc, the little spongy part between the vertebrae. And then fuse those together with a little piece of bone graft. Um, I've had C5-6 and last year had C6-7. So no, there's nothing about me that can get into a rollover accident with good result. (laughs) Like head injury in general is a really scary thing for me to go through. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at least in the next few years. Mm-hmm. Um, now, maybe 10, 15 years down the line, I might be a little less about it. But yeah, right now it's like, mm-mm, no. Mm. Like I did good with the recovery I've gotten so far. Um, and it's like, no, I can't even imagine. All right. All right. So, but no, I think that we will by next summer should be back to life as a new normal. Like, I don't think that we're going to erase some of the things that we've learned and some of the things we've adapted to. Um, I know for sure I ain't. Um, but I also think that, um, we're going to need some more paying attention to science. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But no, we've actually found something that Donald Trump is good at. Spreading Corona. Yes. That has been the big story. And there's actually, uh, let's see, there is a site, um, publictableau.com, uh, or Tableau Public, um, that is tracking that. And so far there are out of 329 possible exposures, um, 12% are positive, 23% are negative and 65% of those exposed have not been tested. So we're up to 38, um, exposures, between the Rose Garden event, debate prep, the Gold Star event, the the debate itself, um, and then the Minnesota and New Jersey events. Mm-hmm. So that's how many connected to the president have become COVID positive. Yep. Oh, yeah. Definitely a super spreader. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and he's still treating it like it's no big deal. You know, he got all this grand health care that we paid well, for, might add you. Yeah, but more importantly, more importantly, more importantly, it in that situation is less of a big deal. When you have a private 12 doctor medical team, when you have a you know, free and available helicopter to immediately get you medical attention, um, when you have the vast resources of the federal government um, to procure your drugs and PPE and you know life-saving devices, um, <clears throat> and there is absolutely no question of you receiving top-notch care for any reason, mm-hmm. then yeah, it's less of a big deal. Mm-hmm. It is more possible to say in that scenario, it is like the flu. And I put big air quotes around that is that we are not saying this is like the flu. We're saying that with all of those resources slammed onto the situation, Uh then yeah, it makes this a more of a, you know, walk in the park Uh um, than it is for everyone else who is going through you know, trying to go through and get tested to begin with just to see if they have it, then having to deal with hospitals, what the hospitals have on hand, how saturated they are with patients, how limited their equipment, drugs, and everything else are, what insurance will pay for, 
and as well as just getting there. Um, and in some cases, that can be the bigger problem is can you get to a hospital? Right. Um, West Virginia, we've talked about this. There are some areas of the state, you, it can be a very big problem just to get transported in an emergency. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're looking at the state. We've already had two hospitals request field hospitals. Mm -hmm. One of them being our largest one, CAMC. Mm -hmm. The second largest hospital network in the state is requesting mm -hmm. a field hospital. Mm -hmm. Yes, in October going into November. Mm -hmm. And we're still not sure where we are in this. Right. Because the this idea that uh, Summer was going to make this all better was obviously wrong. Mm. We are now going back into, like, we're, we're headed quickly into the end of the year, which is when a lot of this started last year. Right. Like, we're closing in on the same date range of the first cases mm -hmm. a year ago. Right. Um, I would say that probably within about three weeks, we are going to be, you know, we should have a year's anniversary of COVID because that was when he was told that there was an issue. Yeah. So, and we saw what the first part of this year did with it. Mm -hmm. um, so if we repeat that again, um, the, we're still in a lot of trouble. Like right. that's the only thing I can say on this is that if, you know, right. we don't have a handle on this. Um, and especially not West Virginia and the way we've manipulated the numbers, but we did get on in, into that on Tuesday. Yeah, that, that's a whole mess. The numbers, and he's been called on it. He was called on it today because it was my turn to watch the briefing. He was mm -hmm. called on manipulating the numbers and the numbers not matching. And uh, he said, "Well, everyone said that we would go with the new standard. No, nobody said we'd go with the new standard. Stick to what the doctors are saying and put away your crayons." Mm-hmm. Devin's bringing, you know, and Devin, yep, we we filed our absentee ballots today. Um, of course, we went for new leadership. Yeah. Um, you know, she says it's getting bad in Ohio. I think it's mm -hmm. getting bad across this country. I think we need to immediately deploy the National Guard and their medic team. I think we need to be bracing for hitting a half a million. Well, and I think what we're actually looking at right now is trying to, you know, put lipstick on a pig until November 4th mm -hmm. is trying to make this look like less of a disaster than it actually is. Mm -hmm. And then hopefully what I'm hopeful for is after the election and regardless of how it may turn out, um, that we'll actually take this seriously. Right. And I will say for the U.S., an election year is a horrible time to have this happen um, because a lot of candidates are, you know, acting towards election mm -hmm. and acting towards everyone's best interest. Right. Um, so, yeah, yeah, this is starting to get really ugly quickly, really quickly. Right. So, yes. And then Terry had a question. Okay. Have I missed any others? 
Um, no, but there's some other comments and stuff down through here we need to, I want to reply to. Okay. Yeah. So no. let's take Terry's question first. Okay. So Terry, 313.57, will my boyfriend get off of drugs? Nah. I don't feel he can. Um, because what it's being used for is pain management. Um, this doesn't anything more than that. I think that he needs to get into a good doctor that can balance his pain management better. But no, he's not going to be able to live without medication. Okay. So more so, it's not exactly that he's addicted as much as dependent and maybe taking a little more than he should. Right. Okay. And it was because like, he's not getting proper medication. This well, because state to begin with. Well, true. Um, but like those are very important like points in the line. It, it's not that everyone taking high-powered pain medication is you know just out to have fun. Mm -hmm. Um, and I always want to like point you know point out that there there's some shades of gray. Mm -hmm. um, even within that is that right. there's, you know, dependency, which is you have pain severe enough. You are non-functional without pain management medication. Mm -hmm. um, there, and before you get to the, you're abusing this mm -hmm. outright, totally, completely, there's also some points in between mm -hmm. that, you know, um, are sometimes more forgivable. Right. Um, especially when a large portion of your day, a large portion of your life centers around pain. Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, it, there's no nice way to put it, but sometimes what we do, and especially now, mm -hmm. with people who are in severe pain, um isn't necessarily work with them in their entirety. Correct. We just kind of warehouse them with pain meds to shut them up. Uh -huh. um, their activity is still limited. A lot of the things that they once could do, they can no longer do. Um, we don't, you know, start working with people in pain management from a, you know, mental health and emotional level. Um, because there's a loss and it's, it's a grievable loss, right. um, in many cases. Um, and then there's also the, you know, occupational trying to get them to a point that there are things they can do. Uh -huh. We don't, and we don't manage the depression related to it. We don't manage the other aspects of this. And that was one of the things I found most surprising, a friend of mine years ago and this has been many years ago, um, ha she was 16 years old, diagnosed with brain cancer. Massive brain tumor. What they removed was roughly the size of a softball. Um, she went from being this cute, skinny, little, normal cheerleader who had just gotten her driver's license and thankfully had just gotten her driver's license because if she hadn't of, um, she may have died. It was driving that brought attention to the fact that something was wrong.
Mm -hmm. um, because she suddenly started having issues with spatial awareness and other concepts related to driving that were way outside of new driver. Mm -hmm. um, because she passed the test, able to do this, and within a mere matter of months, was suddenly unable to, to coordinate, right. to do certain driving activities properly. Um, so it was driving that, that, so to speak, diagnosed her condition. But one of the things she talked about was the biggest thing that she wished they had done um, because you go through that immediate, oh my God, you have cancer. Mm -hmm. And you immediately fall into talking about treatment, talking about, you know, all these things, you know, and everything's life and death. And then once they cure your cancer, like they remove your tumor, you go through, you know, whatever treatment you need, everyone expects you to come out of this and just be like, oh, I lived and everything's great now. Uh -huh. And she's like, I have a whole host of problems that I have to learn to live with. Uh -huh. and she said, I went to some really dark places after that. I wasn't happy to be alive. Uh-huh. Like, I wasn't excited about being alive. She's like, I'm just sitting here grieving the fact that, like, I'm 18 years old. I survived cancer. I also had to relearn how to walk, relearn how to talk, relearn how to drive, relearn how to do this. Um, I have deficits I'm never going to overcome, you know. I have balance issues. I have, you know, and suddenly all these things she thought she was going to be able to do in her life, like doors started slamming all around her. Uh -huh. And I, I kind of thought of that when I went through like my second neck surgery uh -huh. is we have this disconnect in healthcare where we forget that there's a person attached to the problem uh -huh. and that, you know, yay, I'm not going to be paralyzed from the waist down. Uh -huh. But I have some issues here. Uh -huh. Like, you know, I have some things. And it's like no one ever even starts to mention, you know, hey, we need to go over here and deal with the aftermath. Uh -huh. Like, plus, you know, some support on the front end would have been nice as well. No, um, but at least deal with the aftermath of you no. Know, my life drastically changed. Uh -huh. um, you know there there are things that you know at least initially after surgery, like yay, I'm not paralyzed from the neck down and I'm alive. Uh -huh. You know, not that I'm ungrateful for those things, but okay, now what? And right. some of the concerns I had originally, like when I first tried to drive uh -huh. and I'm realizing I'm having to turn my whole body because I can't move my neck uh -huh. or at least, you know, like I'm stuck in that little range uh -huh. Okay, that got better with physical therapy. Uh -huh. Um, you know, and then I still have other back issues that we haven't even touched on yet, right. you know, because irony of all ironies, while trying to figure out one problem, we found that I needed a second neck surgery. Uh -huh. I still have a whole lower back issue. We haven't even gone near. 
Oh, we're not going to really work with PT and other things. That one's even too riskier. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, you know, these are things that you may not have seen, but I was like pushing like, no, he's doing PT. Well, I've never seen you have he's doing PT. Yeah. You know, and, you know, I think that you sometimes thought that I was just taking over your care. No, I was sitting there going, oh, we ain't fucking with this. You may be a West Virginian doctor. I don't trust a freaking thing you do. Well, and I was a little, like, I wasn't sure what was going to happen with physical therapy because I didn't even need it for the C5-6. Right. Like, I, I didn't have any, like, all I got out of that surgery was relief. Mm -hmm. Like my whole body felt better. Right. Um, and, you know, I was back to full range of motion like the day after. Like, yeah, this hurt, you know, the incision part. But the rest of it was like, you know, someone flipped a light switch and just said pain off. Right. And that was it. I was good to go. And so when I came out of the second surgery and that didn't happen... Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't like there were no major changes uh -huh. and now it hurts more to move. And I like my first thought was, OK, well, then I guess this is just what I have. Right. Like, this is what I'm left with. This is what I got. This is yeah. this is the deal. Right. Um, you know, suck it up and move on. Hey, Brenda. Hi, Brenda. Yeah, you could get I with know. us. That you would be back to normal in about a year. Year and a yeah. half if he fought me on it. Well, and I don't know that I'm back to normal. And I don't know that I would even try to tell someone is, oh, you'll be back to normal. Um, you know, it, it's normal changed. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the first thing that you really have to, like, you're, there's going to be a new normal. Right. Um, and it's not going to always, like, it may not end up as bad as it may seem right now mm -hmm. in that immediate post-surgical or, like, in the pre-surgical, like, conversation range. Mm -hmm. um, or that first month after surgery, this may not be your new normal either. Mm -hmm. um, you'll find that within a few months or get a better picture of what that is. Um, but no, to some degree, you have to accept there's a new normal. Like mm -hmm. old normal died. Grieve mm -hmm. it, mourn it, bury it, move on. Right. Like but, and but that's an important conversation to have because if you keep thinking you're gonna move backwards, like that that this is an undo, that this surgery is gonna be an undo button. Mm -hmm. It's not, it never is. There's no surgery on the planet that's gonna get, be an undo button. Mm -hmm. It's gonna change your normal. Right. It will uh, change your normal. But as far as your range of motion, as far as your strength, the followers, that stuff, we haven't even gotten to start working on that. That's when we get to the gym, which, you know, we're waiting to get there. Well, now, range of motion, we did fix. Yeah. Um, I'm actually hypermobile. Right. Um, I have better than normal range of motion for my neck. Um, within at least a couple of degrees in every direction, um, and several degrees in a few. Right. Um, so I'm actually better than, uh, what most people would be. Like if you take normal human range of motion for their neck, I'm already above that. Right. Um, now I may have been more mobile than that before, 
I don't know. Like we didn't go through. There wasn't yeah. this lovely moment before everything went wrong uh -huh. in which we tested all these things and knew where I started. Right. Um, but I can tell I've lost some things. Yeah. Like there were th like motions I could do before that maybe aren't normal for most people to be able to do, but I can't do them anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and then there are still things I have to watch out for. Right. Um, like I have to be careful reading for a long period because I do this stupid thing with my head uh -huh. every time I read. I forget I have to pull everything up. Right. Um, because otherwise I'm gonna hurt badly. Uh huh. And then <laughs> in a vehicle for more than two hours and not move. Mm hmm. Well, and Devin's talking about chemo damaging nerves. There's also, depending upon what all you're having done with like cancer treatment, um, it can damage nerves, it can damage tooth enamel, it can damage um, a lot of things. Where, a lot uh, of Devin, yeah, chemo brain's a real thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, and then on the tooth thing, I learned that I didn't know that. Um, I actually learned that from a, uh, from a woman I used to work with um, that after um, her earlier in life experience, um, she ended up having to basically have veneers done on all of her teeth mm -hmm. because her teeth were absolutely trashed mm -hmm. um, by uh, either chemo or radiation. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the, the cancer treatments though, absolutely trashed her teeth, mm -hmm. destroyed them. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like she ended up having, or her family did putting thousands of dollars into her, just her mouth, mm -hmm. um, you know, as well as the money she had to spend to maintenance it because right. veneers, are a nightmare. They take work. Yeah. Um, they're one of the worst implants to get. It's better to have a whole new implant put in. But yes, um, yeah, chemo, and especially Red Devil chemo. Um, we've done 11 bouts of chemo with my dad. Never. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I need your help on a word. Okay. Uh, Sternocleidomastoid. Uh, Easy. Does your jaw hurt? Right here. Mastoid. Oh, with like... Uh-huh. Um, it did originally, like when we first started physical therapy, um, like, sorry, I saw sterno and I was thinking down here and I'm like, that's a whole nother story. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, so no, I originally did have a lot of pain. Um, I had to learn to do that, that weird look left, look right thing, mm -hmm. um, in order to keep going there for a while. Mm -hmm. because apparently that's a weird, like human thing is that if you hit an end or what you think is the end of a range of motion for your neck and you look left, look right, then you can keep going. Like they explained that one to me and I was like, serious? And I was like, oh my God, that actually works. Yep. Um, but yeah. 
Now, the biggest problem I have found is that, um, like, if I have to hold my jaw slack for a while, I have problems. I get a really sharp, like, muscle pull. Mm -hmm. That's the, been the biggest one. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, the range. Uh, how do you mean? Sounds tricky. The the eye motion thing. So we'll wait for that. Um, but yeah, like it, it, it was a little weird, but it was kind of cool. Uh huh. Um, because every time I would hit like an end, they're like, "Okay, now look left and look right and try again," and you could keep moving. Okay, y'all work out what nerves I've damaged. <laughs> um, no, I don't think you have nerve damage. I just think you have muscle weakness. Well, some of it is that. Um, okay, so I'm trying to understand the new range of motion. Oh, yeah, the, well, I mean, it is a range of motion dance. That's yeah. basically what they do with you, but yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. But yeah, no. Technically, I'm good, and I'm good. Up, down. Okay. I'm a little grindy though. Uh -huh. That's always the thing. Hey, Emily. Hi, Emily. Aww. Oh, the mini mug is home. Oh, he lost a tooth. You both <laughs> lost teeth this week. <laughs> you and the mini mot lost teeth. Yeah. Hey, where's my tooth fairy? I made you food. Okay. I brought you ice cream and I took you to and from the dentist. Uh -huh. And I did not post embarrassing photos and or videos online. No, I posted that myself. Mm -hmm. Alright. So... Yeah, a few weird things kind of happened during the week while I am like not Facebooking, not being connected in any way, but looking at things as they come in. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Raleigh County Department, uh, Beckley Police Department got really busy. Um, yeah, they kind of did, they, yep. they kind of have. Um, so yeah, it looks like they were basically running a Sting on Grinder. Uh -huh. um, for those of you not familiar, gay hookup app uh -huh. um, that general generally, well, not generally, does require um, all of its users to be eighteen and over, uh -huh. um, twenty-one in certain areas of the world. Yeah. Um, but they were running an underage sting. Um, basically an officer posing as a 14-year-old on the app. Mm -hmm. um, there, were, there were two stories, and this is what kind of brought it to our attention. There were two stories back-to-back -back, um, because literally, let me see. Yeah, both uh, October 5th and literally 10.39 a.m. and then 11.18 a.m. 
Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what caught it to me is they were like boilerplate. Right. Um, is it was like change the name and pretty much go. Right. Um, you know, different, uh, headline, change the name and go. Yeah. Well, what got me, there was like, it's like they're attracting everyone from everywhere. Mm hmm. Well, it, what gets interesting is because there was a Raleigh, Can Raleigh County man arrested uh -huh. as well as a Tennessee man arrested. Uh -huh. um, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and the actual dates are October 2nd and October 3rd, but the stories both released back to back. Right. Um, so, yeah. But it was like, it's the weirdoness of it. Is why is an officer posing as someone who's underage on an app that doesn't allow people who are underage other than to associate the app with underage sex? Mm -hmm. And then what problems does that effectively pose? And what problems does that now open that app up to? Well, if you go back, um, there's a story that came out like two weeks ago of them finally arresting a dude that was supposedly trying to hook up with a 14-year-old and had their iPhone in in custody. Like, the dude had the kid's iPhone. Mm-hmm. Then two weeks later, we have this whole grinder sting, which violates grinders' terms of service to begin with. Right. Well, and, like, pausing there, the reason I'm making such a big deal out of that, mm -hmm. um, and let's go ahead and put the blanket caveat, no, we do not think sex with children is a good thing. No. That's not our point. Our point is, these are apps intended for adults, and it is already hard enough for these apps to keep children off of them. Right. Without creating, basically, you know, this association that, or expectation, mm -hmm. um, or just the unfortunate association... Like, it looks like someone's trying to build out that um, gay pedophile, you know, one-to-one -one concept. Right. You know, again, if you were running a sting on a child app, dealing with child predators on apps they, that, that are meant for children, I understand that. You know, sort of that Club Penguin situation. Uh -huh. In which this is for children. Right. And there are adults posing as children trying to lure children. Or posing as adults, uh -huh. you know, freely admitting and talking to children. I get that. I don't get the reverse of that. Well, is that you, you're sitting here going into an app that's for adults and you're what yeah you know i mean but here's my other problem the other cases 
so they say social media, social media, not naming companies, mm -hmm. not naming the app, just says social media. Well, gee, that could be Instagram, Facebook, wherever. Right. They identify the app. They identify directly that they're using that app. Mm -hmm. So is this not a business targeting? Well, but now you got to back up a little bit. This is also uh, gone through the state as part of a list of apps that parents should be wary of finding on their children's phones. Right. Which makes sense to me. Yes, they don't belong there. Yeah. Yeah, if your 15-year-old has Grinder on their phone, that's a problem. Yes. Like, don't do that. Like, definitely remove that app. Like, that is not something that should be there. Well, this is what well, I don't get, and this is what aggravates, because, you know, a 15-year-old shouldn't have the Keen app on their phone. Very true. Okay. It shouldn't have... A 15-year-old shouldn't have access to those apps. Mm -hmm. Why is Google Play Store, which is set up for children, it has the ability, because a lot of apps, I have to enter my birthday in. Mm -hmm. Why is it even listing these apps? Why is iPhone, which has to have an iPhone account to download into, mm -hmm. even allowing these children to download these apps? A large part of what we've run into um, is we have an age verification problem. <clears throat> if we want to maintain anonymity online, we have a massive age verification problem. Mm -hmm. And we have faced that and we've tried to deal with that in multiple ways. Originally, it was like a $1 billing to a credit card just to prove you're over 18, with the presumption being you had to be at least 18 to have a credit card. Mm -hmm. Well, then we ended up with debit cards that also worked as credit cards. Mm -hmm. And suddenly you had people running around who were under 18 that had access to a debit card mm -hmm. and could pass that as a credit check. Or pass that as a you know credit card payment verification, mm -hmm. um, but you also had people using parents' credit cards. It's only a dollar, mm -hmm. and a lot of those charges were, so to speak, disguised mm -hmm. um, for people's anonymity. You didn't have like BigHooters.com showing up on bank statements. You mm -hmm. had Entertainment blah 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 LLC, and you know, a dollar charge who paid attention. What was it for? Maybe it was for a game. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Yeah. Um, but all throughout this, we we kind of, every time we think we're going to find a system for age verification, we end up running into the two problems of either A, that's not really what that system's meant for, and B, you're going to end up trying to tie this to someone's actual identity, mm -hmm. um, which then in turn becomes its own problem, as mm -hmm. we saw with like the Ashley Madison situation, mm -hmm. which had compounding problems, no. but ultimately you ex it left some very 
uh, left a number of people very sensitively exposed right. with their potentially real identifying information. Oh yeah, and the yeah, the dark net. There's always the dark net, mm-hmm. um, which I mean that's its own separate set of masks. Um, but no, and kind of going backwards a little bit on Mary's comment of some of it does feel like building a database. Yeah. Um, directly or indirectly of, you know, good gays and bad gays or just gays in general. Um, so yeah, it is kind of a scary situation. Um, but yeah. Oh, and Emily makes a val- very valid comment. Normally in cases like this, it's a combination of parents not paying attention to what their kids are doing or bad abusive family environments that makes a kid vulnerable to getting into stuff they're not supposed to and predators actively looking for these types of kids. Some of it, like I will say there's a chunk of it that is that, but that I don't argue that, but those are the classic narratives. Um, there's still the situation of you can also be too involved and you end up pushing this somewhere else Mm -hmm. or you push it into hidden apps and friends' houses and, you know, taxing the limits of library, you know, net nanny. Um, you can end up in a situation in which even though well-intentioned um, and even though these are otherwise just normal kids, mm-hmm. they are still searching out this content. Um, and part of that has to do with the differential between pre-adulthood and adulthood. Mm-hmm. And that kind of and we all went through it, that rush to be an adult mm-hmm. and taking adult actions, um, especially when they're led by hormones um, and the belief that you're mature for your age and that, you know, those kinds of things, as well as, a, you know, the ultimate problem of what we all face online is that trying to get that understanding of who you're talking to may not be who you're talking to. It may be just as much of an avatar as if, you know, you were talking to someone who presented themselves as a, you know, as Godzilla, Uh Um, that they're a giant lizard and they, you know, live in the desert and blah, blah, blah. It could be just as much of an avatar as that um, using someone else's pictures, someone else's name, someone else's information, pictures of houses that they don't own from uh, realtor sites, Mm -hmm. um, presenting a whole different life. And we even have that just within, so to speak, the YouTube cult of celebrity, the -hmm. number of people that have been called out for their fake lives. Right. Um, and they're fake private planes that they can rent for a movie set and that type of thing. What gets me, what aggravates me more so, is these aren't predators hunting children. These are 
predators hunting predators. How do you mean? Like, let's go ahead and clarify that. Okay, we have law enforcement mm -hmm. hopping onto a place where normally they don't play games. They'll suspend your account if there's any suspicion. Mm -hmm. They do keep a very good gateway. And trying to create issues and problems. And it's kind of like, okay, why aren't y'all... Do we see them going to Match.com and pulling this? Or to Tumblr? No. Mm -hmm. Well, and just going into the Emily Mary conversation real quick, um, there are people that end up, because of family circumstance, being legal adults and still hiding things from their parents. Um, because for any number of reasons, um, typically in this area, it's going to be religion. And it's going to most likely be somewhere in that Pentecostal Jehovah Witness um, kind of line. Yes. Um, in which you have strong faith-based communities that are very big into um, casting people out. Right. For offenses against the religious practice. Yeah, and let's talk um, about Mormons, the second yeah. biggest cult in the world. Not to mention you have a lot of families, um, especially in West Virginia, um, that by circumstance of where they live, they are over-involved in each other's lives. Yeah. The parent, and here we go. The mm -hmm. parents were very conservative Indian family. My brother's friend was going to college, but still living with them and commuting. They insisted on having full access to all his media devices and accounts. So he had hidden email and hidden accounts that uh, he would go to my brother's place to check. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but you'll also notice that that's part of... Um, like if you want to see that in movies played out, part of that was also like my uh, big fat Greek wedding mm -hmm. and the whole struggle that she went through just to enroll in a college course in accounting. Like it's that level of parental involvement of, fam uh, of family involvement that, you know, you have someone who is a legal adult um, that is kept in a situation in which they are dependent upon their parents. That they're, you know, that they're still stuck in the, so to speak, minor child role as well. Mm -hmm. Not, or, you know, income-based role or discretionary role. This is why mm -hmm. it's important for three things to start going on. One, kids and parents need to get on the same page. Like, my mother knows how to operate Facebook. Not well, but she knows how to operate Facebook. We taught her Facebook early on. Um, but we also need to get into that, get past that, well, if you're this way, I'm going to cast you out. That's just mm -hmm. terrible. Um, and it's more than just adult life. It's having an adult life. Hiding behind curtains doesn't help. Being fearful that you're going to destroy your family because of who you are. Buy a new family. Build your family. 
but for a lot of people in those circumstances, they it's not just like you're you're looking at it at this one point in time and you're trying to take yourself and put yourself in those shoes. Those shoes started from infancy mm-hmm. and have stretched to 20, 25, 30 years old. 35 years old. Um, we know of one person in particular that is not much younger than we are, if they're younger than us, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, can't remember their exact age. That while does not live with their parents, mm-hmm. um, much of their action and their choices and the things that they're doing in their life and the way they're going about them are very much controlled mm-hmm. in a sense by that fear of ostracization, mm-hmm. of being thrown out. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, because of a religion being told, they have to either choose to be themselves or their family. Right. Pick one. And connected to that family mm-hmm. isn't just, um, you know, like the, the mom, son, uh, child, father, child, sibling, sibling connections. It's their source of income. It's the property that they live on. It is, you know, related to their financial accounts. It is literally tied into everything. Mm-hmm. They get thrown out of that. They are suddenly homeless, unemployed, without a cell phone, without anything. All right. And how do you make that work? Right. And it takes um, time and it takes development and it takes people stepping up and being in the community. Um, and, you know, building community. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other part of that is know what your kid's doing. Like, I'm sure mm-hmm. Little Mott, whatever Little Mott's doing, Big Mott's know. And if you don't know what your kid's using, like you don't know what an iPad is or an iPhone, Learn it. YouTube it. Call Joe. He'll talk to you. Yes. Yeah. Um, Some of it is that, but some of it is also the fact that what is also occurring is there's active development of apps to hide apps. Mm -hmm. Um, The most well-known at this point is the calculator app. That is that you basically type in a certain string of numbers mm-hmm. and it acts as a password mm-hmm. um, and unlocks hidden apps on the phone mm-hmm. um, so that they're visible. Um, there are also phones that natively have app hiding. Mm-hmm. It's meant so that, you know, if you want to have a certain selection of, or like you're, you've got all your kitty apps installed. Mm-hmm. You know, the because a lot of parents do hand them uh, hand children their phones mm-hmm. um, that you can quickly just lock that phone down. And when you hand it to the child, they're in a safer environment. Right. You know, the 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 things they can click on are child appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of those can often be used as well to buy, you know, preteens and teens Mm -hmm. um, to hide apps that they don't think their parents would approve of. 
-hmm. It can also be used in people hiding an extramarital affair. Mm -hmm. um, they can be used in a lot of ways. It can also be used in companies mm -hmm. um, to have apps that a company would not approve of being on an employee's phone. Mm -hmm. um, not to mention all the things that can be done to a corporate phone, a corporately issued phone um, that should have a stock set of apps that are corporate IT approved mm -hmm. um, to circumvent that. Not so that you can load other applications. No. Um, not every system's as locked down as you'd like it to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So be careful. Pay attention. Mm -hmm. Gay boys, only talking to 14-year-olds. Y'all know better. I don't care if you're 16 or 18. You shouldn't be on that app until you're 18. Get off it. Well, and then there comes the bigger question, and it's uh -huh. one, and I know we're running out of time, but it's one that, that we've also kind of run into and have heard from others. What happened, the reason some of this can happen on a app like Grindr, uh -huh. um, in terms of talking with someone who is underage, is that we do not have good age verification, and then also there becomes the reporting problem. Uh -huh. If you figure out you are in a conversation with someone who's underage, um, I know my first concern on reporting that is, isn't that like waving my hand in the air and saying, hey, I'm over here. I did the bad thing. Like, even if I shut it down at the minute I find out that, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, this isn't you know, someone who should have been on this app, we have a problem. Um, I would personally in that situation almost be afraid to report. Like, I'm going to block that person, uh -huh. obviously, uh -huh. so that, you know, mm -mm, no, don't contact me. I, no, 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 no. Um, like, don't send me photos for the love of God. Um, but at the same time, are we seeing a reporting crisis yeah. that is allowing that to happen? Right. And it makes me question, should we not be focusing more on getting the reporting on the app if mm -hmm. this is a prevalent problem, prevalent mm -hmm. enough to start using the app to find predators? Mm -hmm. Don't we have to work out the reporting issue yeah. so that we can keep people who are underage off the app and right. make people who are contacted by someone underage more likely to report right. or are we actually at the problem of now it could potentially just be used as in someone goes on the app and they're underage mm -hmm. they contact you mm -hmm. or you contact them not knowing right and effectively through no fault of your own you're you could end up in possession of child pornography um and in the situation where you are either um using a computer to solicit a minor which i think is the charge in those two cases uh -huh. or luring a minor across state lines which is a federal charge uh -huh. unknowingly unwittingly no that if you are talking to someone whose profile says they're 18 or older mm -hmm. and 
only someone who's 18 and older is supposed to be using the app. Like, that's a big gray area we don't talk about of how do we fix this? Like, from a user perspective, from someone who's over 18, Mm -hmm. how does someone over 18 start to fix this? Or can we? Or do we just set ourselves up to be arrested? Well, I think in general, the only way we can fix it is from the app you the app itself. We mm-hmm. have to get the age verification out. If that's paying a dollar, that's paying a dollar. If that is connecting it to your Google account, which you already do with that app anyhow to back up chats, then it well, go off the Google. Fundamentally, page. fundamentally, none mm-hmm. of those are legitimate age verification systems. Mm-hmm. None of none of them are. No. The, the dollar charge was immediately disproved as a useful method. Um, and the biggest problem that we've had are a lot of people want to maintain their anonymity online for any number of reasons, whether, you know, effectively these are grown adults that may have lives in which, for instance, having a fetish or kink mm-hmm. would create problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and engaging in adult community would effectively become barred to them right? because of their life situation. Mm-hmm. That, you know, it would be detrimental to have that so closely tied to their identity. Mm-hmm. So we have a massive age verification problem, but we also, I think, have the massive reporting problem is how do we report this? Right. Um, on apps without getting into a situation where we ourselves mm-hmm. are basically waving our hands in the air going, hey, over here, arrest me. Right. Um, so, yeah. But then you have the same problem. Even if the vendor is checking a social security number database, you're mm-hmm. tying to identity, and that doesn't mean the social security number being entered is necessarily that of the person actually registering. Mm -hmm. Like how easy is it to go grab mom's social security card or dad's social security card or to grab the social security card of grandma or grandpa? Mm -hmm. Um, It's, you know, when you live with someone, getting access to a social security number is not as hard as you think. Mm Um, so Mary does have a question. Sorry, I know you were trying to get to it. Um, yeah. But, um, and I would be interested to hear that, Mary. So, uh, Mary, 112857, uh, will JLB and myself have peace? Yeah, but I feel like y'all guys have to come to balance first. Um, that's kind of acknowledging... Um, you know, your positions and places in life and, you know, JBL is this age, you are this age, you have to work on that friendship level and then build past that. Um, I think that there's a lot of, I need to protect, I need to take care of going on here. Um, and it isn't working because you're smothering both of you. You know, he's trying to take care of you. You're trying to take care of him. And then your two jogger heads knocking at the bed here. Okay. Um, aw. 
And Devin's so sweet. When her daughter came out to her at 12, I told her, honey, I kind of known since you were seven. I just uh, didn't want to label you. Uh-huh. And followed up with that she didn't care. I told her that was fine and that uh, she has gay friends and relatives and asked if she still wanted to go get ice cream. Sounds good. There you go. Awesome way to deal with coming out. Absolutely. Uh, and that's an awesome way to be talking and dealing with children is this is modern world. This is a modern life. Children need to be exposed to everything. Let them decide. Well, you know? except for adult content. Except for adult content. Of course, except yeah. for adult content. Well, but that's what I'm saying, though, is like, sorry. But you we bring just finished that point. conversation, so careful. You bring up a great point, then. Mm-hmm. The reason that children hop on here, hop on to adult apps, is there isn't children's apps. Well, depending upon what you're talking about, though. Um, if, like, in some cases, if you're talking about finding out general sex information, mm-hmm. if you're talking about, so to speak, pornography websites to learn about sex, that's one thing. But then you also have dating apps and apps intended for, you know, so to speak, hooking up. Um, And you're right. There are not apps for that. um, Or there are very few um, centered around the idea of um, underage sexuality. Mm -hmm. Um, That in that whole, you know, like as in the under 17 crowd that can and often is sexually active and dating. Um, and dating yeah. um it is a problem yeah um but it also unfortunately cannot be solved by an adult app itself no. not in the form that it's in um not in that format and i would also point out that we have a problem in videos and movies mm-hmm um, one of my, uh, like favorite shows, um, and I'm trying to remember offhand the name cause I can visualize it and see the whole scene. And I love the show. Um, I believe, cause I believe it was scream that got into that topic mm-hmm. is that you had an underage character mm-hmm. that was on gay hookup apps, mm-hmm. hooking up with adults. Mm -hmm. Um, you've also kind of, um, we're also seeing more and more of that play out on the screen. Mm -hmm. Um, if you take a show like Shameless, Mm -hmm. um, that there is an adult minor sexual relationship, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a fair amount of this. Uh, 13 Reasons actually had, I think, a few adult child relationships. Right. Those Not are problems. the whole topic of rape that it went through. Right. But those are problems in my mind. However, wouldn't it be weird for an app that doesn't allow 18 year olds, but allows from, say, 14 to 18 year old users to operate? Well, so 14 to 17. Yeah, 14 to um, And there's a fair amount of that. But what we've ultimately run into is, and especially with, I believe it's COPPA, um, and its controls on minor content and uh, like adult themes, 
it can be very hard to navigate. And a lot of companies don't want the responsibility of children's uh, content. Mm -hmm. um, is that it can get, um, and what COPPA does is it's dealing more with advertising and um, collecting demographic information and using it for advertising. Well, not um, only that, but we just finally got a case about underage influencers are now going to be treated the same as actors. Yeah, Penny Dreadful as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's just its own whole mess of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but, and well, and if you go back to like 13 Reasons, mm -hmm. you realize that virtually every single person playing uh, someone who is 18 to 16 in that show was basically 18 to like 35 in real life. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been a recurrent theme as well is we are also depicting on screen relationships and sexuality between people who in real life as you know the 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 actors playing the characters are adults for a reason because it would be illegal to film the scene with mm -hmm. an underage actor the mm -hmm. but the character themselves is underage Mm -hmm. um, and another show that's come under massive fire, um, or and I cannot remember the name of, it's on Netflix. I think it's Cuties, um, has come un under a lot of fire. I believe it tries to delve uh, back into the world, the horrible world of childhood beauty pageants. Um, and it, it, a lot of people have been horrified by it is in the way that like these kids are being exploited that these are very small children um and the way that they're talked about the way that they're treated and the way that they're dressed mm -hmm. um, is very adult right um, as for adults i've never got this toddlers and here crap it bugs me and this is coming out of someone that worked done pageants and many pageants had a ball gown for everyone, we'd have to get a new house. Um, adult pageants. Adult pageants. Um, do I think it's a great way for children, well, for teenagers, meaning 16, 17, 18 year olds, to get scholarships? Yes. Do I think that it's a great way to work on looking at a lot of people going out. I mean, we look at um, Jeannie Robertson, who was Miss North Carolina and appeared in Miss America going out. Yes. Do I think a nine-year-old needs to be worrying about what she eats and how she walks and if she can put a book across the top of her head? No. Or a three-year-old. Yeah. Um, and a lot of this has come under fire with like swimsuit, uh, competitions. Uh -huh. Um, you know, that, that ultimately, even if you're talking about someone 16 to 18 mm -hmm. or 16 to 17, um, you're still in many ways sexualizing a child. Yes. They're almost an adult, but that's again, but if we look at some of the pageants, not the mainstream pageants. There are many other pageants out there other than the mainstream swimsuit competition. 
Sunday dress outfit, modern business outfit. Take out these, what was okay in the 60s and 70s or even the 40s categories. Mm -hmm. Put in the ones that have been created by other pageant systems because it didn't work for the theme of the pageant. Like if you've got Miss Business USA, you don't want to see her in a swimsuit. You want to see her in a business outfit. But, but sometimes it becomes the same problem. Um, school teacher, businesswoman, nurse, um, and, and getting a little more modern doctor are mm -hmm. like, how many slutty Halloween costumes do we need? Nice. Like there are slutty versions of all of that. Slutty doctor, slutty nurse, slutty, you know, businesswoman, slutty, blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, because we even like our even our role play tries to sexualize um some very normal female professions or women in mm -hmm. professions. Um so does that necessarily fix the problem? If you have a toddler that's Miss Businesswoman USA, is it going to necessarily fix that? Or is it just going to devolve quickly? Well, again, you slutty, three -year -old slutty toddler. Hmm? There shouldn't be a three-year-old in a pageant. There but shouldn't there be. Are. I there are infants in pageants. Again, well, Miss... Cute baby of the year, I get. The rest yeah. of them, I don't get until about 18. Well, 17, when you have the Miss pageants. 16, we have the Little Miss pageants. I can understand those. Those are scholarship-based pageants. Well, it, when you're, but when you're getting to that level, that, that's a slightly different thing. Right. But there's still a lot of the Little Miss pageants, mm -hmm. the Little Little Miss pageants, mm -hmm. that... We're not just talking about the big poofy, you know, Shirley Temple look. Uh -huh. You know, that she's a pretty little girl. Uh -huh. Some of these are evening gowns that, like, Vanna White would wear. Uh -huh. Scaled down to toddler size. Oh, I know. It's a spaghetti string, braless, strap, you know, open back, low cut. Um, and often these children are padded. Yeah, and it's ridiculous. Um, that should have been disqualification, in my opinion. That's why I don't think those pageants should exist. Yeah, well, and uh, but I think the whole thing's ridiculous that that we that, that we even allow that to happen without calling it what it is. It's not a beauty pageant. It's you know child sexual exploitation, just with less nudity, and mm -hmm. that's by a thin margin. Uh huh. By a very thin margin. Right. That's, why, um, that's and I, why I just said, up until 15, it shouldn't exist. At 15, have the pageants. But that money either goes into a scholarship trust fund, which is the way the little misses do. Or like a future scholarship. Yeah. Um, which I can understand. But it, it also still means that at 15... More than likely, these pageants are still going to be sexualizing what are legally minors, legally children. That's my problem. 
is you're you're sitting like we're sitting here trying to have a duality of conversation, not just you and I. I mean, the world or at least the country as a whole is trying to have two conversations over top of itself. Mm -hmm. One is that we look at pageants mm -hmm. in one light and say, oh, no, they're perfectly wholesome and wonderful. And it's a great way to earn money for school and blah, blah, blah. While at the same time, um, let that same um, kind of thing occur and it lead to a conversation between someone who is overage and someone who is underage, uh, you know, and now it's an inappropriate relationship. And trying to define the line is that, well, okay, we allow this to occur. It's a beauty pageant. It, it Like you cannot separate sexuality, uh, sex and sexuality and being sexy out of that. Um, but at the same time, we're still having this conversation like all children are wholesome until the second they turn 18 and then they are sexual beings. I like, I think that because of those, that duality of conversation, we're not being honest. Um, and in terms of we're treating children like children in one instance, and we're treating children like adults in another. And I think that that leads to a lot of the problems that we see, that we sexualize a Miss America or a Miss Teen USA or a Little Miss blah, 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 and that we can't understand why we have adults that are now sexually interested in children. Like, you present this on television without a problem. You've done Toddlers and Tierra. You have done, you know, the Honey Boo Boo thing. You have done the, you know, um, multiple pageants broadcast. You keep putting sexualized children in front of adults, and then you act surprised when adults sexualize children? Like, I think that's a problem that we have as a conversation. It's two separate conversations, and it needs to be rectified. You seem confused. Where did I lose you? You lost me at the whole dang bit. Okay. Okay? Point blank the whole bit. Because one, I don't understand toddlers and tiaras. Okay. Okay? Little Miss is normally raising funds for something. Mm-hmm should be going into an account towards their scholarships. Mm -hmm. Okay. They're treated like little actors. They work just as hard. When we get into adult pageants, 18 plus pageants, that's normally a benefit pageant. Mm -hmm. the benefit and how many high pageant. schoolers, how many high schoolers will put on a swimsuit and go do a car wash? And how many high schoolers will put on pads and go through a football? Mm-hmm. Which, again, is a total different exploitation of their bodies, um, especially at the rate that, or the, the way that we are having children compete um, in sports at a near-professional level, as in without the, the like, the fact that you can have a 15-year-old with an ACL injury that can ruin their career in football is beyond me. 
like how did high school sports get that physically demanding when our college education became that physically expensive true what i'm saying is is on one hand we're having two separate conversations as a country about children one of them and i don't think either of them are right not 100 percent we're and when i say children i like in this instance i'm going 14 to 17. like let's define it 14 to 17 so teenagers we're having a problem in that conversation in that we we create this general rule which is the wholesome like no responsibility the adult is always responsible line but then we also turn around and on a separate line go well pageants are okay and sports are okay and this is okay we just have problems with this 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 and this mm -hmm. and you know like the the underage drinking we have a problem with that we have a problem with the underage um uh sex and it's like hold on a minute one you know that that basically we're expecting someone 14 to 17 to be totally asexual they are not to have sex forget the hormones forget the you know uh you know effects of puberty and the fact that yes during that phase of life um there's a hormonal influence to sexuality as in this is a point in your life in which your body chemistry is turned on pumping out and primed and ready as it is this is puberty this is what your teenage years are they suck they're horrible um but then we're acting like sex shouldn't occur we're teaching abstinence we're not teaching sexual health education and that's the the reverse side of it mm -hmm. is that's the other problems we have mm -hmm. that's the other exceptions that we make is that we're ignoring teenage sexuality um when it would be appropriate with someone of the of an appropriate age um I, like that's where i have problems with the conversation and that's the com the point i'm trying to make is that we've just made a giant mess of it is that we've never been honest in any direction well we're so where the problems are right and mo makes a good point here the parents need to okay. be involved um and following and yes they should be i think any pattern you're going to need a set of parents involved and i've done a few it takes a lot of work from the dresser to the handler to the talent to everything else there's a lot of work that goes into a pageant same as it goes into a football game give you that well, and i'll add on to what mo said following involved and and limiting yes who understands and ha draws a hard line mm -hmm. as to what is and is not acceptable but we've seen this even in like britney spears mm -hmm. hi her father cashed in period end of discussion 
um, did not care. Did not care. He exploited that child for every dime he could get. Uh -huh. But we, uh, and that's sometimes what we see is the money offer uh -huh. is ultimately turning it into sexual exploitation of a minor or walking so close to that line uh -huh. that it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Um, or you could look at Billie Eilish right now, big pop star, did a great song, bad guy. I dearly love the song. You do realize she's under 18 and she's effectively singing a song that is very heavily talking about interfering in a relationship and does so in some somewhat sexually not explicit, but very sexually suggestive ways. But then turns around and also tries to play the innocence card with it. Uh -huh. No, she she's, you know, she can't believe someone would, you know, use her image in a sexual way. And it's like, but you're walking, you're trying to, to walk both tight ropes. Like you're going over here and you're doing a song that is in many ways sexually suggestive. And then you're coming back over here without and claiming total angelic perfectness. No. And it's but, that's neither one of those are happening. You're in between right now. Right. But the other thing I want to point out is this is a U.S. problem. Britain, it's 16. Canada, it's 16. Most of the developed world has accepted that teenagers between 15 and 16 mm -hmm. begin growing up and being adults and having to figure out adult things. Mm -hmm. Mo makes a great point, and it will always be my point when it comes to pageants, um, is it's a great thing for building self-esteem. It gives them opportunities. There are many speakers, professional speakers now, that are formal pageants. Pageant queens, pageant things. Um, and it gives them a chance for an expensive education that they wouldn't get otherwise. Well, but there's also the problem that it um, adds to unrealistic body image. It also adds to uh, bulimia and anorexia and negative self-image for girls who do not see themselves represented. That they are not pretty because they do not fit the model of someone who participates in a beauty pageant and can create problems with self-harm, depression, um, suicidal ideation. Uh, like you can have a lot of issues there as well. Like it's, I'm not saying it cannot be positive. I'm not saying it cannot be positive. I'm also saying there are negatives. And that we can't just wrap it up and go, well, here's all the pretty positives and go, well, yeah, some people may have an issue or, well, some people might, you know, be suicidal because of it. Or some people may grow up thinking they're ugly because they're not a size double zero or a size zero or a size one, two, three, four, or five. 
And they end up with a body shape from a young age that they're immediately a 12. So I should never do this because I couldn't play football? I think there are differences there. Some differences there. Um, in that that, while it has a lot to do with physical activity, I have more problems with what it does to the individual than what it would do to the collective in terms of football um, or sports in general, is what you're demanding of sports players at a middle school, high school level um, is excessive and can be very detrimental to growing bodies and can also lead to drug use. Um, more specifically through um, performance enhancement without recognition or ability to comprehend the long-term effects that they're taking a short-term um, shortcut to get where they think they need to be for what they think will be a career while damaging horrendously their bodies. But I think that has less of an influence on, to some degree, on the rest of a student population. Now, you will have, so to speak, the scrawny kid that, you know, is short and thin um, that will develop negative self-body image, will develop um, problems um, thinking that they can fix them by, you know, bodybuilding or through, again, steroid use. Because they're the same things. Playing football and being in a beauty pageant is the same thing as competition. And I think that that's a problem that we in the United States have a problem with, in mm -hmm. general, is competition. Now we want to wrap children up in bubble tape and give them all participation trophies and not put in, not go, no, she's talented for being able to be, you know, to fit these boxes. He's talented for being able to fit these boxes. You're talented for being able to fit these boxes. Well, but then you turn around and I, my problem isn't with the idea that, that we are sitting here with a beauty pageant at all. It's the level of competition that these pageants have gotten to. That if you look over time, at the the difference in, in the range of candidates for say a beauty pageant that field has narrowed there is not a massive difference between you know if it's a 20 candidate slate those 20 candidates look very similar versus go back 50 years and look at that slate of candidates and you're going to see more diversity in at least body type so that you could present a range of beauty, um, at least, uh, of different body types and of different looks um, versus today. Okay. 
I don't agree. I think it was the same talent as someone at a dance competition, which normally a pageant includes a talent number, which is normally dance or musical instruments. There's a chance for people who do have those skills to be rewarded because, of course, we don't fund the band or the drama department like we do the football or the basketball team or the soccer team. Very true. No, I, I don't have a problem with the talent portions of a beauty pageant. Those are actually meaningful, worthwhile portions of the competition. But that's not generally what the competition is about. It is really? a portion of it. Really? It is it's probably the one that's the most scored points of a, of a pageant. Okay. Talent presentation, all that to get higher scores than evening gown and swimsuit. Which swimsuit shouldn't be in a preteen pageant. Okay. You know, scholarships in general have been built for these pageants. That's how they're given out. Mm -hmm. Same as with football scholarships. These are ways for people to get scholarships and get out. Mm -hmm. Whether they're tall, skinny, whatever. Yeah, you've got to work. You've got to train. You've got to practice. Same way with anything else. Okay. And so what about the kid, uh, about the teenagers having boob jobs, nose jobs? Um, because their parents started from a very early age with an intent to run their daughter through the beauty pageant gambit, knowing that was their best chance to get a good education. What did those kids learn? to use their looks throughout their lives to get ahead. That's my concern. You mean like most salesmen? Okay. I'm just saying that in some ways you're creating a child that is literally sees their only value in their appearance. And the potential damaging effects of a parent who spends money to fix their child to fit current beauty standards that does that is willing to, so to speak, go the extra mile to make sure this child wins through augmentation and drastic change to their physical appearance. Again, like salesmen and, you know, even the discussion we got into about needing to be in the right zip code for a job. Mm -hmm. Same thing. No, I get that. I'm just saying the, this is part of the problem then it's systemic all the way through. Mm -hmm. 
but okay. Sorry, I just feel like I'm aggravating you with the whole conversation and like, I, I don't understand. Well, you don't understand because you're listing out all these problems. You refuse mm -hmm. to hear any of the net po the directions. You refuse to, you know, see it. Just, this is how the world works. Okay. But my whole conversational point was talking about we're having is the the cultural phenomenon of having two different conversations that we're on one hand having this conversation that you know love yourself love your body accept who you are you know feel confident in yourself you know beauty comes in all shapes and sizes um, you know, the, the value of, um, being a good person while simultaneously having a whole other conversation that's almost unrelated is, or, you know, it's not an, and it's an, or conversation of, you know, the only thing that matters is how you look and your ability to sell yourself and use your looks to get a job and use your looks to make the sale and use your looks to get ahead and use your looks to get an education and use your looks and, you know, you're, you're, you need to fit this certain size, shape, parameter and that unless you don't or unless you do, you don't get to get ahead. That's that's where I'm seeing it is it's like two conversations is that we we're trying to have both and neither one of them should are working. Well, that if if it's that there's got to be an in-between conversation. Well, like somehow we've got to put this whole thing Mm -hmm. And this has always been my whole point, is that things that are considered talents, things that are considered, you know, beauty as a talent, it takes work. Mm -hmm. Don't believe me? Come over someday. We'll talk about all the skin routines and all that. Dance is a talent. Music is a talent. We don't mm -hmm. apply those same talents to the sports world. We don't, we aren't looking at how little boys are, you know, suicidal and all this other stuff because they don't play football or baseball or tennis or soccer or golf or whatever the community sport is. Mm -hmm. We always see this one side and it's always putting down the negative to what the female is a, she's quite skilled in other things, but is able to use to get scholarships, which is the same whole reason for high school baseball and basketball and all that other crap mm -hmm. to the point that our governor apparently takes it as a important COVID exercise extreme, mm -hmm. but you don't see studies out there pushing down all the negative, how terrible this is, how trashy this is, how awful of us to be exporting these boys for entertainment. Which is a conversation we need to have. I, and I'm not saying it isn't. I am saying in some ways, though, it has more direct negative effects on self 
as in the highest consequences are usually on the 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 sports player themselves while it does have outflow into the rest of the community i don't think right now it has hit quite the same level um and a lot of that has to do with the negative way in which we raise boys versus girls that we often teach girls to use their looks we teach boys to use their earning ability that okay you're not good at sports then you better figure out a science then you better figure out this and that we compete on that front as well um i don't mean that it's any less damaging that that wasn't my point but i do think on that one specific note it is different i wasn't talking about it as a whole again your the conversation the two conversations that need to be had here mm -hmm. is equaling talent the same as the talent everyone okay. has their gifts everything has their dimensions we just decide to go and dismantle and put down one set of talent to get scholarships just the same as the other talent mm -hmm. and that wasn't my point my point is that it has a broader impact we have entire magazines devoted multiple magazines devoted to teaching young girls what beauty is and basically pushing them towards fad diets, to idolizing plastic surgery, to basically preparing their entire lives centered around how they look and trying to make themselves more attractive to get ahead to ultimately use their bodies in that sense. Um, and in most cases, we have put very limited funding towards developing anything else for women. Or more importantly, we are still struggling to develop that for women, to that there is still a lower number of women in STEM fields. Um, there is still a problem in education with uh, you know, girls not being recognized in the classroom, um, of being graded more harshly than their male counterparts, of still running into administration that doesn't think girls can do that, or that it's not ladylike. Um, and we're still making a large part of education about physical appearance of, of girls that you know a tank top is too revealing and they have to be sent home because you know they'll distract the boys like I, that's and where we I see still this have the same number of male magazines like men um sports illustrated that they send right to your home um there are still a ton of magazines out there mm-hmm directed at teenage boys, directed at teen men, how to look bulk, how to bulk up, how to do this, how to do that. 
average quarterback has to be 275 pounds. Here's how to do it. No, we do not forget about Madame Curie and her discovery. Uh, Madame Curie is a wonderful, wonderful lesson for children. Um, and especially an inspiring one for women. Um, but we, and if you're talking about society in general, yes, we forget that. Well, we, we forget, forget about, about female scientists. We dismiss female uh, women in sciences. Mm -hmm. Um, so we also forget the other things that Madame Curie did other than just describing radium. We forget her modeling career, her house of fashion. We forget her makeup line that she designed. Mm -hmm. But the fact that we are still talking about the same, effectively, we're talking about in the in this long of a time span that effectively the the options for women in that time span really haven't changed. That you're going to use your looks to get to a point in which you can use your brain. That That's just the comment I'm making, is that if you're looking at that time period, that uh, how much has changed? We're still telling socially women the same message. And we're still telling men the same message. I would still argue that men have more options. It is that we grant boys more options. That if you can't compete um, on a sports level, we don't immediately dismiss boys from intellectual pursuit or musical pursuit or other pursuits. Um, in, I think in many cases, women are ultimately like, if you're not pretty, then give it up. You're just going to be someone's wife. Really? How I much think encouragement you to have dance women? class? Pardon? How much encouragement did you get to have dance class? Did I? None. Yeah. You know, how many, how much encouragement was it for drama? Also none. But again, those weren't interests I had. How many times did the football coach ask you to come join the team? Once. Well, one series of incidents. Mm-hmm. But That's what yeah. I'm saying. But honestly, that had more to do just with my physical size, period. Uh -huh. It wasn't about athletic ability as much as you're over 270 pounds, you're a brick wall. Mm -hmm. And the general theory being, you know, these scrawny little runny boys are going to hit you and bounce off. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not a skill. Being big, it shouldn't be a skill. Um, and de depending upon how you're approaching that conversation, 
Yeah, it would have an allegory in that scenario is that we're going to exploit the size of your body. We're going to encourage you to get bigger, not healthy bigger, not, you know, any form of, you know, muscle cardio development. But here, just keep eating. Mm -hmm. Just become a bigger wall. Mm hmm. Oh, I attended a wannabe jock high school, Mary. <laughs> Your high school still has tailgating. Our high school has tailgating. They moved it yeah. from one side of the thing to another. No, 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 no. Wrong town. That's the Bluefields. That's... I didn't go to Bluefield High School. Still. Yeah. But... The yeah. thing I ever heard. They moved from one state to another so they could still have their tailgating. And run... Well, back hold on. They move okay. The two Bluefields, there's a Bluefield, West Virginia, and a Bluefield, Virginia. They are sister cities. They their their towns basically overlap the state line. There are two separate high schools involved, uh, uh Bluefield High School and Graham High School. They have had a long rivalry between them. Um, it is a big ugly football game every time they play. But yes, that area for years had actual tailgating. We're not talking, you know, cute hangout, barbecue, some hot dogs, and, you know, have some fun. We're talking an alcoholic event around that high school football game. Mm -hmm. um, on the West Virginia, I believe it was the, yeah, I may get it backwards. I think it was the West Virginia side decided they were no longer going to allow that. Mm -hmm. so they have now moved parking and transportation for the game to the Virginia side mm -hmm. um, or vice versa, whichever way it works. Um, one state said no more alcohol. <coughs> the other state said, fine, whatever. We don't care. Get drunk. Um, you know, and they've moved that. So there is still tailgating. There's just a commute mm -hmm. um, that is... It, all to protect this sacred tradition of the of a very competitive, angry high school football game. Mm -hmm. um, not that that game gets any better when it's um, Bluefield versus Princeton. No. Um, now the Bluefield versus Princeton version, um, usually when Bluefield plays at Princeton, it's a verbally ugly game. There is a lot of trash talking. Um, when Princeton goes to Bluefield, there's usually physical violence. Mm -hmm. um, at least back when, you know, I was part of that marching band. Well, mm -hmm. band, um, not marching, um, can't march. Um, but no, we were pelted with rocks. They tried to flip the bus, like anything you could do. It was an out and out war. Mm -hmm. No other game, no other away game was like that. Like we never got attacked like that anywhere else. You need to go to Montgomery. We had hmm? state troopers escort us out of town after we beat their asses. Still, the fact that a high school sport gets that ugly, like that's no longer a game. That's that's a riot. Again, 
this is where Mal Sports has gone to. Mm -hmm. This is where, you know. And I'm you not calling that pretty either. Like, I, I'm not arguing against you on this. Like, I don't know why you keep thinking I am. Because you are arguing against pageants that have done a lot. And, and I'm not saying pageants have done nothing good. I'm not saying pageants haven't done anything good, but there's also negatives there as well. That was the whole point I was trying to make, is that it's it's not all pretty. No. Um, that a lot of it is very socially damaging. The same as with sports. Like both of those are, can, you know, in addition to their positive benefits, can also be very socially damaging because uh, both are growing out of control. They have gone beyond. Mm -hmm. And even at little league levels, so mm -hmm. to speak, you know, the, the small children, like why would you scream at a, a T-baller? You know, like this is where, you know, we've gotten socially. Mm -hmm. Is, you know, you have toddlers competing. It's supposed to be cute and funny. I mean, you hope for some talent, but mostly it's just going to be cute and funny. It's like turning loose puppies. It should be cute and warm and wholesome. Um, but if you're in a situation in which you have parents involved and it becomes standard for the parents involved um, to get that heavily invested in the competition, that they are willing to stop at nothing. Um, they are not willing to protect these children then yes, we have a massive social problem that has rippling social damage. That well, was my whole underlining point. Again, I don't think toddlers should be in TRs. Um, if the crown is bigger than the body, it doesn't need to be wearing it. Um, nor do I, you know, and that's why I think the Little Miss pageants at 15 is where you start out, where it traditionally started out before the 90s came along and has ordered things, and that's comes from the bo pageant boards. Mm -hmm. Saying, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and just to get a Mary to to finish what I was kind of saying to her a minute ago is, I went to a high school that had a, uh, I went to a band high school with a football problem. Because if you look at the trophy cases. The band filled ours up and needed more space. You could barely read our trophies because our trophies were on top of trophies. Mm -hmm. And um, how many dance trophies did you have? Pardon? How many dance trophies did you have? Um, our dance team was part of our uh, band, and those trophies were in the same cabinet. Mm -hmm. And how many drama trophies did you have? Um, they were basically all stored in the drama room, so you almost never saw them. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But we have a football um, team that soaked up resources, getting more attention. And then our football cabinet was just cute. Uh-huh. They had a lot of space on their shelves. Mm-hmm. No one had a problem reading the small collection 
of sports trophies. Again, point being is, is we do not equally embrace and support all talents. We either cut them, put them down, or don't even encourage them. Okay. Okay. Dance teams, normally only girls. Normally only push towards girls. Drama, mm -hmm. same thing. Uh, now, our drama department was actually more balanced. I will say it was more balanced. Um, like, we didn't have any problems with or as many problems with our drama department. Mm -hmm. um, but we also had a really awesome drama teacher. Mm -hmm. um, not kind of like your typical movie drama teacher. Mm -hmm. um, you know what I mean? Like, it, it wasn't quite so, like, out there. Mm -hmm. I guess you could say um, she was a more like grounded taskmaster, mm -hmm. um, like very sweet and friendly. You couldn't help but love her. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, you know, she she wasn't quite like that flighty image that's typically portrayed of like the over the top drama teacher. Mm -hmm. Like that wasn't who we had. Yeah. Right. He was a very grounded human being who did some really great productions. Mm -hmm. No, I went to a football school that had a band. And we had a basketball team. Forget the soccer that, you know, won state championships. Forget the dance troops. Forget the drama department that, you know, performed for the government for in Charleston. None of that mattered. Football and basketball mattered. And we even mm -hmm. still do that in today's paper. Mm hmm. Well, again, our high school kept trying to have um, football, basketball, or baseball be our thing. Mm -hmm. um, turned out <laughs> we were a little too nerdy for that. Mm -hmm. um, they kept pouring resources into it. It kept being a failed cause. They still kept pouring resources into it. And every other group just kept having bake sales. Mm hmm. So we cooked a lot. Mm -hmm. um, we also had a lot of very involved parents mm -hmm. um, who spent a lot of time helping to make money to support those activities. Mm -hmm. um, as well as we were fortunate enough to be have enough affluent parents um, attached with each class to be able to write some checks when we needed it. Um, that was our two biggest things. Um, Salinger, I'm gonna say probably, wow. um, we had some weird book bands. No, we didn't have any weird book bands. Of course, we had great English teachers that pushed for good books. We had a lot of pre-retirement English teachers that were done with arguing. Yeah. Um, but that was also the problem for like the entire school system that I went through. And that's a weird sentence to say. Let me say my path through this, our school system um, for Mercer County. Um, I went to basically what were considered the best schools in the county. 
Unfortunately, the way that occurred was through pairing new teachers with pre-retirement teachers. So all of my teachers were widely divided between just out of college and we're not sure if she's had a heart attack or just fell asleep at her desk. Mm -hmm. Like that's where we were at educationally. Um, so uh, there was a lot of transfer of knowledge, but there was also like a lot of like kind of broken processes in that too. Mm -hmm. Some of it worked out really, really great. Mm -hmm. Um, some of it also debt. Right. Um, and, you know, I'm talking about a school that in eighth grade you were reading, you know, not Romeo and Juliet, you were reading Macbeth. Um, ninth grade was Grapes of Wrath. And then 10th grade, I believe, was Caesar. Oh, basically my best exposure to literature was taking English 101 and 102 while still in high school. Yeah. Because they ignored whatever Concord wanted to do. They're like, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like those were the two instructors that had the most leeway in what we read. Um, because the, the college was more open-minded and the high school was like, not part of our curriculum, not our problem. Mm -hmm. We just provide and facilitate space. Mm -hmm. But no, I was exposed to a lot of the classics during middle and high school um, and muddled through them. I mean, eight, you know, eighth grade reading The Grapes of Wrath, really? That one takes on a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, one Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, amazing book. Yeah, no. Um, trying to, I honestly am trying to think back on books we read, and at this point, I'm <laughs> trying to pull them out of thin air. Um, most of what we did was based out of literature texts. Mm -hmm. Um, without like our school system was really sick and tired of buying individual copies of books. Yeah, that's why the kids bought them. Nope. Yeah, we got, a list didn't no. yeah, we got a list beforehand of these are the books you will need for next year. You may purchase them during the summer or you may get them at the library. No, almost everything we did was out of a textbook. Um, very few were the number of books that we actually had like in the classroom. Hmm. Um, that were still actively used. No. Um, the state's preference was to use the textbook because the textbook was non-controversial. It had already been stripped and condensed and abbreviated to the point that there was no salacious material. Mm -hmm. See, ours was so different. Of course, you know, um, our math, I don't think we had a textbook for our science textbooks, our teacher said, those are cute. Leave them on the shelf. I'll give you what you need. Um, now, science, the biggest memory I have from that was middle school having to, uh, we got brand new textbooks. And we actually were given time in class 
Um, we were all handed glue sticks and we had to glue together the entire section on evolution. Although our teacher gave us 45 minutes to do that and walked out of the room. See, I can't even imagine going through school and not being taught evolution or Darwin. I mean, what are they going to expect when you get to college? No, that was Mercer County. We were required to that. We were handed glue sticks to do that, to glue that section of the textbook together. Mm -hmm. um, but we were given like a bunch of time to do it, mm -hmm. uh, more than enough to read it. Uh huh. And then glue the pages together, which sucked. Yeah. But yeah, that was an actual class activity was gluing together the section of our science textbook on evolution in middle school. Mm -hmm. Which was ridiculous. Yep. You know, and, uh, you know, reminds me of church and state. But, guys, we are way past time. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, we'll be back on Tuesday. I believe we have a guest, possibly two. We'll see. Um, and we will be talking to you then. Be looking for some videos because I got my second Epsi bag, and now that I'm feeling better, I should be filming. So, Patreons will get it first, and then goes out to the general public. Until then, hopefully, we'll get the newsletter out by then because, again, I am feeling better. And things will just get moving back on to normal, guys. Thank you for your understanding, Patreons. Welcome to the new Patreon. Mm hmm. Kathy. Yeah, if you want to ban me. Uh, I want to van you, but um, I understand I haven't caught it up. So, Kathy oh. is on Patreon. Thank you for becoming a Patreon. Oh, thank you, Kathy. Yes. Yeah, so, of course, we do want to thank our Patreon sponsors. Uh, we certainly appreciate your support. Um, and those sponsors are now Kathy and Beverly Walker, Mika G, Mary Winfield, Brenda Bryant, and of course the Crystal Lotus Shop located at 89 Old Main Plaza in St. Albans, West Virginia. If you're in the area, feel free to stop by. They have a lot of wonderful things. If you'd like to learn more about the show or about becoming a Patreon sponsor, please visit pcspnetwork.com. Yep. All right, guys. Have a great night and great weekend. Good night.